So if we think, you know, I've got children, your children are a little bit older than mine. Many people listening may have children, but for my children, one of their, their emotional response may often be anger, frustration, withdrawal. You know, they'll run away. They'll throw something. They'll shout. You know, they'll go to their bedroom and hide in their bed. You know, they'll they'll try and hit each other. You know, these are normal kind of children's responses to a, a dysregulation of emotion. And so we want what we want to try and do is say, well, how through movement can you regulate that response? So we want to recognize, improve awareness. We then want to notice and respond. And we then want to regulate with appropriate behavior that's driven through movement. So that and that's the name. Um, to get a break from the storm. And it was reinforced when I was having a chat with a somebody, you know, someone I know whose son has experienced a lifetime of, of poor mental health. And he said to me, I'd already named it Storm Break, just hadn't told anyone. And he said to me, all my son needs is a break from the storm. Hi there, I hope you're doing well. It's Steve Ingham here and a very, very warm welcome to the Sporting Champions podcast. So I'm a sport and performance scientist and I've supported athletes throughout my career towards the podium and have led and developed high performance teams in sports and business. And I want to use that background and that experience to explore the different areas of sporting performance, sporting endeavour, sporting participation. And so in this podcast, I speak to Olympic champions Formula One drivers, top level sports coaches, researchers breaking new ground in aspects of sport and performance. But what we do know is that how we do sport, how we deliver performance doesn't just exist in sport. And so that's why we value having people on this podcast from all sorts of different backgrounds who are who are circling around the summit of sport and performance. So I hope the conversations that we have in this podcast can help you reflect and draw some inspiration uh, so that they can help you along with whatever is in front of you right now. This week's guest is Martin Yelling. I've known Martin for nearly 20 years or so. And to give you his background, he's a former elite runner himself. And so he's got a 66 minute half marathon. Uh, he was a duathlon champion of Great Britain twice. He's competed at world and European championship level in the duathlon. He's undertaken a half and full Ironman at Kona in Hawaii. And his other half, Liz Yelling, uh, you will know as a former double Olympian in the marathon. And for the last 15 years or so, he and his wife, Liz, have been working in support of other people to undertake uh, a marathon or do an endurance challenge through coaching and support. But recently, Martin has set up a charity called Stormbreak, which caught my attention because it's doing some really interesting things in support of young people. Stormbreak.org.uk. I'd encourage you to have a look at the resource and I'll let Martin explain it in a moment. But the fundamental aim of Stormbreak is to improve children's mental health through movement, equipping them with sustainable transferable skills and coping strategies to thrive during the complex demands of growth into adult life. It is a phenomenal idea, a phenomenal concept that Martin has hatched. It's got incredible resources, all in service of trying to help young people develop. Now, you're listening to the Supporting Champions podcast. We've called it Supporting Champions because we want to support and champion people. 
And what Martin will describe in a moment is the very essence of supporting and championing people. All right, Martin, how are you? Welcome to the podcast. I'm good, thank you. Nice to see you, Steve. You're looking as radiant as ever. <laughs> like you haven't aged since we last um, worked together, probably about 15 years ago. <laughs> Immediately, I'm full of distrust for those comments. But um, we probably spoke <laughs> in, I looked up Marathon Talk. It was 2012, yes. episode 123. So it's been a while since we caught up. How, how have things been? Yeah, Marathon Talk um, has been a long ride, actually. Um, we set that up in, I set that up with my friend Tom. Yeah, we've had Tom on the podcast. Yeah, who now is the COO of Parkrun. And um, when we set up Marathon Talk back in 2010, end of 2010, early 2011, um, you must have been a, a quite early guest then, prioritising. 123, we I mean, I wouldn't say that's early, <laughs> but... I haven't been asked back. I mean, I'm, I'm just now saying. on 590. Yeah, so, wow. um, and, and, you know, that was a really important way of, of us sharing in a digital way, you know, Tom and I's knowledge and frustrations and um, practices and coaching and practical things to try and get ahead around, you know, helping people run a little bit more. And so that's been an amazing part of, of the last 12 years. Um, other than that, yeah, I'm pretty good. Still run a little bit, still do a little bit of running coaching, um, still swimming. I think I was probably doing, I've done some triathlon in the past, so still sea swim a little bit. So, yeah, generally, as I knock the door of 50, it's all right. Yeah, well, it's, it's been um, amazing to see, actually. I mean, you're, you were a brilliant athlete, as is everybody called yelling, and the... <laughs> But I thought, I, would it be fair to say that most people know you now as a communicator and a champion of other people running and supporting them to do marathons and endurance events and so on? That's, um, that seems to me that's, that's what's associated with you and your name. I guess so. You know, that's been, that's a really, I mean, thank you for that comment. Like that's been really, that's a really insightful comment because I find at the moment the landscapes, I, I'm, I, I wrestle with a little bit of tension at, at the moment around the whole coaching landscape because fundamental for coaching for me it, it is it not being about you, but, you know, it being about the people you work with and the relational connection that you make and your deep and rich levels of understanding of how you support those people to achieve their goals, whatever, you know, whatever they might be. Um, and there's a little tension sometimes for me at the moment around ego creeping too much in not mine but just in the landscape of coaching and and you know it's really important that it isn't about you you know and as soon as it becomes about you as the coach then I, I kind of struggle a little with that so for you to say I'm 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 seen as a champion of other people's performance then then yeah I'll, I'll take that thanks uh I think that's really important to recognize so I see that a lot in sports scientists too, where look at my spreadsheet is sort of a badge of honour. Look at how many references I can quote, as opposed to my job is to understand how I can best support you. Um, Yes. So a similar mindset. And, 
you know, something I've worked quite extensively on in, in, in the last few years is, is understanding the importance of humility in your practice, particularly around coaching and, and, and often in leadership. You know, that means doing things in a way in which might be contrary to popular wisdom or the way in which perhaps you've been taught or the way in which culture and society shows you should you should do things which is very much you at the front and you as the driver and you as the aspirant you know you as the 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 orientated force with this responsibility to govern manage lead guide coach master and um i think my own practice has shifted actually i'm you know um, learning all the time um you know we never we should we should never never stop um learning and listening and and since we crossed paths in uh when i supported liz way back in the 2005 to 2008 and and we were in regular contact and i've seen that yelling performance arm grow which is it's been inspiring to see how you're supporting others and camps and coaching and and programs and and so on and that's been amazing uh, to to be able to access the the know-how and experience that you and Liz have got. Um, and I've been watching that over the last decade. And then this storm break pops up. Mm-hmm. And what you've sort of just described about you perhaps being more conscious, maybe a little bit more, um, I suppose, giving and altruistic to the world and, and your role in it. Um, Tell me about storm breaks. Tell, tell me about where the idea came from and what, what you're aiming to do. I think it's it's a long time coming, actually. So my background is, you're right, I, I used to chase um, my wife and my sister around a little bit. They both used to be very competent athletes. My wife is double Olympian and, you know, Commonwealth medalist and ran a lot quicker than I, I did. I spent lots of time carrying her bags while striving to be, you know, as good as I could be. I was in the elite national champion a couple of times and went to seven or so world champs. So, you know, I, I got it, but not quite at the level that Liz or my sister double. My sister was double European cross country champion as well. And um, so, yes, definitely that that high performance was an important part of my understanding. I did an undergraduate a gazillion years ago in exercise physiology. You know, so it kind of came from that background. Did a PhD and a postdoc, spent some time at Loughborough working in behaviour change and particularly with um, young people and particularly in um, what constitutes effective professional learning in coaching and teaching environments. Um, And that sort of set me on a course around my own coaching and, and development to see how I can facilitate, enable, realise others to achieve um, what they what they define success as. And I'll choose those words quite carefully because I'm constantly frustrated with the term be the best version of you and be your best yourself, be the best you and all of that stuff. And the reason for that is it does come to fruition in Stormbreak. Um, so Stormbreak was born out of a desire to say, well, I have a set of experiences in education and coaching and uh, from grassroots level right up to Olympic level. How do we get some of that messaging across 
at a preventative, strategic approach to young children at a time when arguably their emotional health um, is, is at greatest risk and at greatest need. Um, and I wanted to do that in a fair, equitable and ethical way. And so a way to do that was for me was to set up um, a charity. So I founded Stormbreak as a as a charitable organisation with the objectives of providing um, young people with, uh, for, for us, that happens to be children 11 and under, um, with skills and strategies to help them thrive and flourish and cope and face just the life things that they will face as children and hopefully to pick up some of those skills and transition them um, to support as they transition into adulthood and young adulthood. And our long-term goal is that we provide programs that support those children and we reduce the pressure in in a growing um, pressurized system. So I'd love to contribute to positive mental and physical health, but also reduction in, in CAMS referrals, you know, reduction in the need for focused um, intervention. So that's that's our, our goal at Stormbreak. And the critical thing is that our approach is a movement-based approach. So, and that's born out of a combination of skills and experience for me in coaching, um, learning from some great teachers and, and coaches along the way, but also being that this Stormbreak approach being informed by teachers, children, critical pedagogies in in movement and and initial teacher education, um, working with practitioners in young people's mental health and emotional care. And now, you know, we're realising, you know, we're we're realising some of the the benefits and we're delivering programmes in schools across the UK. We're delivering programmes with children in looked after care, more vulnerable and deprived settings. Um, Yeah, so it's, it's been... Uh, been both the most challenging thing I've ever done, but potentially the most rewarding thing I've, I've ever done. Um, and I appreciate I'm doing this interview, so it seems a little bit about face, but one of the important things I've tried to do with, with Stormbreak is not position myself within that to... Um, because Stormbreak is about the organisation, it's about the beneficiaries, it's about the children, the trusted adults that we'll work with and support. Um, It's definitely not about me. And that's really important. And I think there's a lot that coaches can learn from the way in which they support, you know, athletes and um, people, you know, Um, we're people. And sometimes things go really well and we can be, you know, successful, whatever that gets defined as. And sometimes they don't go so well. And we need compassion and kindness and love and care and fundamentals of human relational uh, um, connection, you know, and, and that's an, an incredibly important part of coach and athlete welfare. And we try and bring some of that in to the work we do in Stormbreak. Mm waffled a bit then steve but i hope that's all no right. you you haven't at all um so a quick question and then perhaps we can get into the dive into the the how and the why a bit more uh excuse my ignorance why is it called Stormbreak? yeah gr- really good question and it took me a long time to come up with the name 
Um, essentially, I wanted something that represented um, translate, and this is this is by no way my own thought. This is is you know you'll know when I describe it. This is something that's been around for thousands of years. The concept, and the concept is simple. If you look at our logo, it's the top part of of the logo here represents chaos and represents complexity and uncertainty and fear and anxiety and judgment and all of those things that cause us or can cause us, you know, an emotional instability. And that's the top part of this wave, circling wave. And the bottom part is then completely clear and it's calm and it's separated by a line. And we, in reality, of course, it isn't a line, but there's a complex relationship between that chaos and that calm. And, and what Stormbreak tries to do is say, how do we teach children to, to use movement to harness the benefits that it can bring of physical activity and moving, whatever form that might take? and put that regularly in their life so that they can have a break from the storm. And so effectively we're called storm break, but our activities are also storm breaks. So, um, you know, let's take an athlete preparing for a major championship or a major competition. Inbuilt into their cycle of preparation will be both physical and psychological strategies to help them remain calm, you know, to help them control things in, in a difficult situation to control, you know, to help them focus on the work they've done previously that's brought them to this point to execute a plan in such a way that gives them the best chance to get the result that they want on that given day. And in Stormbreak, that's the same thing. You know, we, we want to equip children with those strategies so they know I need a storm break now. They can um, recognize the set of emotions that that's bringing them. They can then respond to that set of emotions. And sometimes in young children, that's not an appropriate response initially. So if we think, you know, I've got children, your children are a little bit older than mine. Many people listening may have children, but for my children, one of their, their emotional response may often be anger, frustration, withdrawal, you know, they'll run away, they'll throw something, they'll shout, you know, they'll go to their bedroom and hide in their bed. You know, they'll they'll try and hit each other. You know, these are normal kind of children's responses to a, a dysregulation of emotion. Mm. And so we want what we want to try and do is say, well, how through movement can you regulate that response? So we want to recognize, improve awareness. We then want to notice and respond. And we then want to regulate with appropriate behavior that's driven through movement. So that and that's the name um, to get a break from the storm. And it was reinforced when I was having a chat with a somebody, you know, someone I know whose son has experienced a lifetime of, of poor mental health. And he said to me, I'd already named it storm break, just hadn't told anyone. And he said to me, all my son needs is a break from the storm. And, mm. and, that, and it just reinforced. I thought that's perfect. And so, yeah, that's how the name came about. And that's the meaning that sits behind it. I love that. I love it. Now that you've explained it as much as anything, it, it does make so much sense that 
it also recognises there's going to be a storm. There's going to be storms around, and that, that's life. Um, there's there's a choice that you can take. There's a control. Once you recognise that you're in the storm, there's an opportunity for you to get that back out. But it's also got a package name that I'm I'm going to take one of those, and there's a selection as to Correct. what I need at this moment to to address and and retain control. Um, yeah, I love that. Yeah. These are all really difficult concepts for children. You know, it's very different when we're working with adults. Sometimes as adult, you know, as a grown-up, you know, I still struggle with these concepts mm. and I don't always get them right. And that's really important because as an athlete and in your coaching and perhaps with, with some of the coaching or, or, you know, performance experts that might be listening, we can have a focus on performance orientated perfectionist tendencies quite a lot. And we can not always focus on the dysfunctional side of that. Um, in fact, we regard it, you know, quite negative. And we've seen recently, you know, in, in Tokyo and in, in other um, situations where elite athletes have said enough mm. Okay, you know, I'm also pretty passionate about athlete welfare and, um, you know, athletes go enough. I I need to refocus and the competition takes secondary status to my personal well-being and my health. And that's true. That's a reality. And that should be the case for our children as well. You know, when working with a nine year old and they, you know, they're experiencing some some real trauma outside you know, of school or at home, it's so important that they understand it's it's not forever. It's okay to get it wrong. It's all right to make mistakes. Um, there is some hope and, and optimism, and you know, it's okay to settle with that adversity for a while because that's how and where you grow and how and where you progress. You know, if a you know an, an athlete doesn't attain high standards when all they do is succeed all the time Mm. and when you said time earlier a time um in and i was wondering whether that refers to the stage that a a young person is you know their age they're they're um under 11s as you say um in that formative stage when they're developing and sort of ingraining and training and encouraging good habits that can last a lifetime. Does it refer to that or does it refer to the age that we're in and recognising that uh, um, what someone, a young person is experiencing now, we don't have know-how and knowledge. You know, when, when my daughters said to me when they first went into secondary school, how did you manage going into school when something's kicked off on social media and I was like I didn't have a phone till I was 24 and they I have no know-how around this area are you dealing with both of those concepts absolutely both so to deal with the first um for me preventative uh is better than reactive so you know I'm about I'm about training and coaching it's you know it's what sits in my heart is you know, I believe that people do have a capacity to understand themselves enough to um, shape their lives in a positive way. And, and personally, movement has been such an important part of that 
that we as you know adults in this field have a responsibility to show children how to use movement in the most responsible and beneficial way for them whatever that may look like and it's not always elite participation most definitely um for, so in Stormbreak, for example we don't place any technical focus on um how to do a particular skill or activity none a child does it however they want to do it and some coaches find that a pr- prickly departure um uh, but it works mm. um you know so yes it's the right time when children can absorb and and we can be preventative in our approach but it's also both the right and the wrong time at the moment it's the right time because the need is like one you know we haven't experienced before certainly in, in my lifetime you know and and um you know, to have schools closed to have that amount of uncertainty in a young person's life you know probably i could be wrong but i imagine you know and i'm completely making this up but probably 75 years ago uh, uh, as we were in and exiting the second world war you know when the uk was in 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 a completely different state emotionally physically um uncertainty was huge and uncertainty is huge again now and then on top of that the layered pressures that we have in our culture um let's use you know digital media as an example of that and how that influences young people's lives you know bear in mind we should consider that investment into digital technologies to shape children's behavior is huge we have a significant battle on our hands as physical and movement and sport and coaching specialists the budgets we have are minimal compared to the budgets of the main digital global players to shape influence consume our children's behavior in every sense you know whether that's gaming social media it it's shaping and influencing their choices what we have to do is say no we're creating in our sport in our physical activity in our movement an environment that can rival this you know this can give you that too mm. you don't need your dopamine hit from a gate a digital game you can get it when you're out in the woods you know when you're climbing a mountain when you're running on a track when you're jumping in, in a in a pit when you're playing in a in a game with your friends when you're riding your bike when you're dancing you know when you're swimming when you're doing all of these things that's what we've got to try and do that's our our responsibility mm. so i think we're under intense pressure at the moment to respond and stormbreak is a, is a an attempt at responding to that we because we you know we use digital technology as well so we follow pathways using digital okay and a lot of our content is video based yeah so you're trying to embrace it rather than work against it yes exactly right the the um uh, some of our courses uh we have an applied psychology course run by rebecca levitt and chris marshall and it was brilliant because i got to soak it all up i got to soak all these amazing courses up but one of the aspects was working with adolescents and there were two um two statistics that that really surprised me 
and made me just pause and think differently about how I w- might work with a, a young person. And one was the the work of Jean Twenge, uh, who looked at the number of occasions that, that young people go out at different ages, uh, based and it was plotted with a, a very pointed, pointy line saying, iPhone released. And <laughs> there was just this cliff edge drop, and, and it's continuing to go down. That was one. And so we can sort of look at that and go, oh, iPhones, terrible technology, and, and so on. The other part was the generational perspectives on life. This is a life paradigm that a generation from the 60s, the 50s, the 70s, the 80s have taken on life. And you're seeing the world differently to the next generation. And therefore, and, and so this leads me to a bit of a question. It might be a bit unfair in the sort of formation time for Stormbreak, but how are you ensuring that you, a middle-aged guy and team and so on, are designing something that resonates with a youngster who goes, I get it because you've thought about how I'm receiving information. Yeah, really good. Um, so the first thing is to that point, uh, I mean, there's a danger of a kind of cognitive dissonance, isn't there, mm. around not seeing that. And, and we're doing two things. Stormbreak's relatively young. Yeah. Um, but we listen as much as possible. It's probably the greatest, my, my, I think my greatest piece of coaching advice I was given and advice I'll give out, you know, is the power of, uh, of being able to listen. Um, we're also trying with our programs to, to hear those children's voices and input them into the program design and delivery. So, a lot of our activities at the moment are led by Stormbreak coaches who are adults, for example. In the future, they will be led and run and delivered by children. Oh, amazing. We've got a little pilot, actually, a girl, a year 10 a girl called Bria, who's helped write, design, film, shoot everything around the Stormbreak. And she's on, on, on the website. My dream would be that us old crusties are re uh, you know um the, the the platform gets reimagined and is led and driven by children um we're not at that stage yet mm-hmm. but i would love there to be an element of that in in our programming the other thing is um we have to accept how young people communicate and we have to try and understand and engage with that you know, i think the biggest example of that is something like you know I often hear, see young people communicate and I think, man, you haven't looked up from your phone at all. And they communicate in a quite a stilted way. You know, I really value human connection and relational connection and relationship building. It's just sometimes it's done differently with young people. And, and we should be asking them how to use that technology without it becoming a disruptive and potentially harmful way of communicating, because we, we know it can be, and they know it can be. Um, there's a balance. I don't know the answers. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I can see, I can see the potential in that sense. Um, just to 
just picking that up in terms of that comment about people being more open. There was definitely a shift over the summer, wasn't there, with Naomi Saka um, and others who who just said, pause, wait a minute, are prioritising me. And you you almost felt this subtle but quite profound. I, I hadn't experienced that before. I hadn't seen that before. We're being more literate in that area. And there was a di- bit of discomfort about this openness. But I think equally, people were starting to say, yeah, of course, why wouldn't we? Um, and um, whether that's, you know, that starts... That's a hard thing in that environment. Yeah, too. it is, just to make the, to be the pioneer in that area. Say, yeah, a hard thing for an athlete to put a hard stop sign on participation um, and also hard for those in the circle of support to under, to sometimes understand yeah. because they're so vested in one thing. And in this particular example, that's performance. But one of our jobs at Stormbreak is to raise awareness of the importance of having conversations so that you can support young people. We can raise awareness. If we can't raise awareness of how that young person is feeling it's hard to teach them how to overcome it. You know, we, we, we need to raise awareness first so they feel that they exist. And this is the same in, in, in high performance. They feel they exist in a culture of acceptance, in a, in a culture that understands. And so we try and create a climate and a culture in particularly the schools we work with that understands sometimes there will be an, um, a time when a group of children or individual children need a storm break. And it's more than letting off some steam and running around. It's got some real structure that supports their mental health in the then and the now and in the long term for their future. And I would hope that creating those cultures in an athlete welfare framework around performance you know, is is the right thing um, and, and, it, and should be in play. Almost, if an athlete feels they've got to that point, then the opportunity to support them in their care has been missed. They shouldn't arrive at that point. That's almost like reaching crisis point. It's too late because yeah. you you then have to respond, respond hard with an action that nobody wants in order to save a complete breakdown. Yeah. And you know, that's actually a systemic failure in, in, I'm being quite hard here. Steve. Oh, no, I think, I, I think you're, you're right in that sense. You know, if we rewind 15, 20 years ago, we would be encouraging athletes for the first time to tell us if they're tired, if they're sore, if they've got uh, an ulcer developing, that means that they run down so that we can act. So there's that input and then there's the, the response and, I think probably we still haven't got out the uh, the comfort to communicate some of those things that have been unspoken, hidden, potentially taboo, whether that is a boy managing his raging hormones and or or struggling with changes in body size. They might be clumsy for the first time or um, a young girl starting periods, body changes where sport and physical movement is going yeah. to feel very different and to be speaking yeah. about those, but then yeah. also to be presenting some options as to 
how might you so, continue? So, yeah, to be to be speaking about those things, but also to be heard. Yeah. And and that's vital in 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 any situation. You know, if somebody speaks to me about something, I want to listen, but I also want to genuinely hear them. Not just listen and then carry on with my practice for that day. You know, it's it's like you listen, you hear, and then you can take appropriate, meaningful action. And sometimes that not, may well not be the action that you think is 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 the best. You know, um, and having that empathy um, and building that understanding is 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 really important. Uh, I feel if we can do that, so we try and do that in family settings, you know, where there's been social breakdown or trauma. Um, you know, we try and do that in school settings where children should feel like, you know, they've got real ownership of their mental and physical health and a school and a culture can, can promote that. And it's the same in athlete growth. You know, like, I'm sure you're probably familiar with him, but one of the most, ins- I'm going to choose my words more carefully. Um, one of the most incredible athletes I have ever had the privilege of speaking to is pete reed Mm. um and you know pete's ability to articulate um his success um as an athlete but also his challenges in in now you know plowing forwards in a different life you know are amazing and i learn a lot from you know some of the discussions particularly around social media that pete has you know, and try and think, well, how can we apply that with some of the young children we might work with when we listen to some of the kids and we listen to the parents and, you know, we're constantly moulding the approach to to support that awareness, being informed and being able to take some, you know, appropriate action and choices so that we can delay, reduce, completely mitigate risk and crisis. Mm. Oh, it sounds sounds really holistic in your thinking about an openness to what the possibilities might be, whether it's family based, school based, uh, small discussion groups with children, as well as content that people can take off the shelf. I mean, um, so inspired by what you're aspiring to to achieve. It doesn't just. It feels like it's really off the ground and, and mature, but it's actually um, it's, it's just emerging in many ways. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we're relatively young, Steve. You know, we've four. Well, I started theoretically building conceptually some of this stuff probably twenty years ago. Yeah, you know, but actually to bring it to fruit, you know, things were not ready. You know, if I started talking about the importance of emotional well-being delivered through movement fifteen years ago for young people, people wouldn't understand. I, we still have those struggles every day. Now we're trying to build a digital social prescription tool for young people at early opportunity, so early help, where um, social care navigators, link workers, youth workers can access a, a resource that supports early identification of needs. So low-level anxiety, for example, that exists below any kind of referral pathway. For, so for as an adult... What we would do is we would say, I need to go for a run. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just need to get out, go for a run. 
and that and that is our grown-up storm break so what you know we're trying to find a way to 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 speak to primary care networks to care practitioners you know to say well how do we trial this how do we test this and we've got some support brilliantly from bbc children in need to enable us to build some of those digital pathways um, and make it more accessible um so we're young but we are trying to you know accelerate got some good people helping um helping do that as well but i'm just looking through the content and i'm thinking i could do a few of those and you know that's actually (laughs) genuinely uh interesting for a lot of people who might be able to look at that and think you know the idea might be i I could perhaps use this to help my child or somebody else but actually these are fundamentally uh well they're 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 sound activities aren't they i mean there's school there's tools and skills for to help people manage um yeah yeah that's what we tried to do we built them around five core concepts of emotional health we recognize there's more and we recognize they're complicated and they're related but they're around concepts of resilience relationships hope and optimism self-worth um, and self-care and, and these were things which just emerged as important characteristics of positive well-being and so but but it also struck me that in the way in which movement was traditionally delivered we glossed over some of those features we said being active helps you be more resilient and my response was always well how okay does it Hmm. let's really okay tell me how specifically Hmm. how use the language of resilience what do you mean you know and um so we've really pulled that apart and built that specifically into um a storm break activity so that it is front facing and the main um, feature of engagement if we were focusing on resilience so say for example um, you worked with some young people. This could be in a sporting context. You could be a coach, you know, and you could work with young people and you could say, I've really noticed they're struggling with their resilience to do a t- to, to do something. Right, I'm going to focus on resilience with them in, in a five-minute activity at the beginning of my coaching session. I'm going to do a storm break. Okay. You know, I'm going to learn the language to use. Um, I'm going to perhaps think about what I may have said when somebody doesn't do something in the way I was expecting it to be executed, you know, and, and that's what we do. So one of those big things for me, learning a high, high learning for me was around the concept of validation. So if we take athletic example, um, validation, when something doesn't go right. So, um, you know, we, we would be very quick to come in with technical prompts very quick to come in with our expert view, you know, Mm. very quick to get up, have another go, get on, let's get going, do it again, do it again, do it again till you get it right. Well, that's not how validation for a child works. You know, we have to step back. We have to say, I understand you're experiencing some difficulty at this time. You know, they have to be heard. We have to validate their feeling when they say um, this is how we build resilience. You know, it's not just because they keep getting out in cricket 
you know, and they're out again. Yeah, but that builds resilience. No, it doesn't. It's just humiliating, judgmental, yeah. and more likely to yeah. put me off. And and so, you know, there's there's a lot of thinking that's gone into, into our approach for each of those concepts, you know, particularly self-worth at the moment, back to your digital example. Self-worth is our most common engaged storm break at the moment. And that says that children are feeling uncertain about their place in the world and they're not sure that they matter or how they feel valued. Um, so, you know, we should be focusing more on enhancing children's self-worth mm. and giving them a feeling of that they matter and that they are valued. And we as trusted adults do that in our language, our body language, our relational connection with them. And we can do that in our coaching and teaching and parenting. And so that's effectively what we try and do with Stormbreak. Oh, well, it's amazing to hear uh, you describe it in that way. Um, I mean, you started off by telling me that you, it's a movement-based uh, charity and uh, idea. It sounds like you're starting a movement, and um, uh, I'd love to ask you how potentially people could get involved if they were so motivated. So we have a schools program in, in primary schools, and if you work with um, you know uh, primary school children, age children in any capacity, you know get in touch with us. Um, our website stormbreak.org.uk. Our email is hello at stormbreak.org.uk and our social is at hello stormbreak. Um, that program's called Surge. You can also, if you're a parent, um, sign, you can sign up on our website for um, taking part in a Stormbreak pathway and it's completely free. Um, and you can select an activity to do. So, you know, I, you've noticed your children suffering with a return back to school and you think they need some help with the relationship building we've done some animations we've got some activities for relationships you as you do them you gain a little badge digital certificates and badges as 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 you go through it's born out of challenge digital challenge for me in in running and coaching and training programs so now look um i would say check out the website um, if you really want to to get involved, you know, we're always looking for clinical, particularly experience of um, clinical psychology in, in children, young people, those people with a movement background. That's something that I'm looking for at the moment. Um, you know, clinical expertise in working with children's children, and young people um, and a good understanding of, of emotional well-being and movement. Um, and then, you know, of course, we're always looking for funding and support. You know, we're, 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 we're a charity. Um, it's a difficult time for, for charities. So, you know, if you think, actually, I do want to make this part of a movement and I think I can do something with my networks, um, then, yeah, get in touch. Love to hear. All right. Brilliant. Well, um, no doubt people have been inspired by what you've uh, described and are working towards. So get involved, people. Martin, thank you so much for your you know, time. Like, you're welcome. And, and to wrap up, like, honestly, one of the things I used to think you, you had to do, and I have to keep reining myself in on this, <laughs> to, to bring about change, it doesn't need to be huge. You know, and yes, Stormbreak, I would love to see Stormbreak in every school. I would love to see Stormbreak, you know, inf support the life of lots of young people and, and children. But if it does it with one, 
that's good enough, you know, to impact one young person's life with one thing you say or do that day is really valuable. And so even if you operate at grassroots, you know, level of participation, you think, well, there's nothing I can do. There is, you know, it'll, it'll be, it may feel small to you, but it most likely will be huge to the young person that, that you, you work with. So nothing is too small Brilliant. Oh, well, that's in the ethos of Stormbreak, isn't it? It could be a little small break. It could be a, uh, it could be something more profound. So, Martin, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. I've loved it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Martin. If you're keen to follow along, have a look at stormbreak.org.uk or on Twitter at hello stormbreak. You can follow me on Twitter at Ingham underscore Steve and at support underscore champs. We're on LinkedIn and Instagram under supporting champions. We're also developing new content on YouTube. So take a look in the show notes where we're putting together new strategies that can help you develop your performance.